We're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, <clears throat> verses 1 through 8. Uh, we are all <clears throat> in a, uh, a season of life. Uh, we are in <clears throat> ever making changes in our, our seasons of life. I, um, I sent my sons an email this morning and uh, just to... Um, just to talk to them a, a little bit about where they are in their lives and to uh, encourage them and to express my, <clears throat> my approval uh, to them in their lives. We, we have a tendency to, um, to get stuck on certain things. We have a tendency to, to not see that everything is in a time and an ebb and a, and a flow. <clears throat> Some of the most important people that have ever been on the face of the earth, you don't even know their names any longer. Some of the greatest servants of God, some people that were household names, uh, you, you never think about them anymore. Never. Um, <clears throat> I, I, would say, I would say that no one, I may be wrong, but I would say no one has given any thought to uh, Jerry Falwell this week. Jerry Falwell <clears throat> was one of the greatest, greatest servants of God. Uh, not because of the size of his ministry or anything, but because of the strength of his, of his character. But we, we don't think about him anymore because he is now with the Lord. And everything has a time and a season. Uh, everything that we have done with, we someday will do without, and we're able to do <clears throat> without. Uh, Michael Jordan is, um, is now 54 years old. When he turned 50, <clears throat> ESPN Magazine ran an article about his continuing obsession with the best days of his life as a basketball player. Here's some excerpts from the article. Uh, Jordan's self-esteem has always been, as he says, tied directly to the game. Without it, <clears throat> he feels adrift. Who am I? Uh, what am I doing? <clears throat> For the, the past 10 years since retiring, and this was written four years ago, retiring for the third time, he has been running, <clears throat> moving as fast as he could, creating distractions and distance. When the schedule clears, he'll call his office and tell them not to bother him for a month to just let him relax and play golf. But within three days, they'll get another call asking if they could send the airplane to pick him up and take him to some place. He's restless. He feels his competitiveness kick in. Uh, <clears throat> it's, it's almost a chemical thing. He starts working out again, and he, and he wonders, could he play at age 50? What would he do against LeBron? What if? He says, it consumes me so much. I'm my own worst enemy. I drove myself so much that I'm still living with <clears throat> some of those drives. I don't know how to get rid of it. I, I don't know if I could. And here I am, still connected to the game. Jordan asked, how can I enjoy the next 20 years without so much of this consuming me? How can I find peace away from the game of basketball? Sometimes it's hard for people to, to get through a certain season of their life. It's hard for them to see that a, a certain season has gone by. It's hard for them to accept it. It's hard for them to be gracious about it. 
the wise man of Ecclesiastes writes that there is a time and there is a season for everything. Jordan and the rest of us will benefit by this wisdom from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the first eight verses. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for, for peace. Times and seasons are a regular part of life. They serve to balance our lives. Not only are there times and seasons, but from before our birth to the moment of our death, God is working His divine purpose in us so that during that particular time in that particular season, we might be the most fruitful that we can be in that particular, at that particular point. In 14 statements, Solomon shows us through or leads us through the time and season or the balance of life. And if we cooperate with God's timing, life will have meaning. If we cooperate with God's timing, life will have beauty. If we fight against God's timing, it's always a struggle. If we fight against God's timing, there's always unhappiness. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Even in the most difficult experiences of life, there is beauty in that time and in that season. This morning, I want to share with you four considerations of time on Time Change Sunday. Four considerations from the first eight verses of the first chapter of Ecclesiastes, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. First of all, we look at the time of creation. One of the, the issues, perhaps one of the great issues of, of our generation <clears throat> is the, the right to life, muddled in the reality that today's world is complex. Good people have <clears throat> a hard time coming to a right place on this spiritual issue, and the right to life is a spiritual issue. Make no mistake of that. It's absolutely a spiritual issue. Who gives life? Who can take away life? The wisest man states that the right to life comes from the hands of God. In verse 2, he said, there's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. Without question, birth and death are very different events, but they're all a part of God's plan for time and season. In our church, we regularly have births 
in our church, we regularly have deaths. On uh, Thursday of this week, we conducted the funeral service of one of our members, Betty Saunders. There was a day when Betty Saunders had a birth. And then a week ago today, this morning at 5.30, a week ago, Betty Saunders came to the end of her life, and it was all part of the season. The excitement of seeing a new plant burst out of the ground, which is what we're experiencing now here in Tallahassee, or will be experiencing the next few, next few weeks. The excitement of seeing that gives way to the time when that which bloomed now has to be plucked up. It's no longer planted. Both birth and death, planting and plucking up, are part of life, the life of man. Yet both are held in the grasp of God's hand. When we believe God is our creator and that he made all things for his glory and for our good and for our balance, then we have a good understanding of that time and and planning. Ecclesiastes chapter chapter 3 helps us keep a balance in our understanding of life, in our understanding of God's creation. And let me just give you a little glimpse of the creation story. I've said this so many times, and I'll say it again, and I, I hope to never stop saying it, that much of the understanding of life and much of many of the issues that we're dealing with in our world today is because of a lack of understanding or belief in the creation story as given in Genesis, God is the creator. Genesis 1.28 said, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and, and fill the earth with and subdue it and have dominion over the, the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. And you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. To appreciate the time and season of God's creation, we have to do a few things. First of all, we have to recognize his creation. The psalmist recognized that he was wonderfully made. He said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, that God made him, that God's hand made him. Most people do not see themselves in light of God's creation. If people saw themselves in light of God's creation, there would be less issue with our sense of personal worth. Recognizing that God created us caused us to respect God's creation. Farmers believe that we should respect God's creation. Hunters believe that we respect or should respect God's creation. However, some people just don't respect God's creation. Some people do not respect God's creation within them. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a healthy view of who God made you? Do you have a healthy understanding of who God made you? A healthy understanding of who God made you is to see that you are God's creation and that God placed in you those things that he gave to you for the time and seasons of your life. As I was listening to uh, Brother Larry um, sing this morning, and I sing, I, I can sing, but I can't 
I can't sing like him. And, and it would take me a long time to get myself cleared up enough uh, in the morning, especially on time change Sunday, to be able to sing and hit any of those notes. And there's some of those notes I couldn't hit on my best day. God made me me. Uh, my friend Gerald Wolf is, is uh, with Greater Vision, is one of my friends on Facebook, and, and uh, he's also one of my friends on Twitter. And I'm continually writing on his wall, begging him to let me sing bass with greater vision. Because they don't have a bass. They're a trio. They need a bass. They're incomplete. And he keeps telling me no. And so I guess that, that time or season is not going to, to come to me. So I have to respect who I am and who God made me. And you must respect who you are and who God made you. On... Um, Thursday, Coach Posey asked me to come out and throw the, the first pitch of the baseball game against Hamilton County. And I was a little nervous, Coach. You, you know, I, I really was. I was a little nervous because I'm, I have, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not gifted in that area. Now, Coach Bowden told me one day as I was uh, playing golf with him, he told me one day, he said, you know, that's, you're, you're able to do that because you're a natural athlete. First time anybody in my life had ever called me a natural athlete. Of course, he's 87 years old and can barely see, but, uh, but uh, he, he called me a natural athlete. And I got out there, and Coach Posey surprised me by having my grandson catch that first pitch. But I was so nervous over that because this is not who I'd been made. I wouldn't, I was, I'm a lefty. And I did throw a mean slider. I mean, it, it was, man, that thing broke out, and it was a beautiful thing. But then I watched these other guys play up there, and they just, that when they throw, it's almost like, the, it's like that a wrist almost thing. And it's just, and, and that's who they are. We have to appreciate who God made us <clears throat> and live the life <clears throat> with respect for who God made us to be. Here's an interesting passage in 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 19 and 20, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. For the believer, there's, there's extra reason to expect who we are. Because A, God made us, and B, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And whatever we're doing that disrespects the creation of God in our lives or, or in those around us, we should make the adjustment so that we can begin to appreciate who God made us and appreciate the balance of creation. The time of creation is to be recognized, is to be respected, and we should replenish his creation. At creation, man was given dominion over all living things, all living things, regardless of what the the current world says and how that we are supposed to be what the world is. Did y'all see that thing on YouTube where a guy put, put things on his hands and, and feet so he could crawl around on the ground like a goat uh, and live among the goats? Did, did y'all see that? What, a, what an, I'm sorry, but he's just a dope. That's just silly. Of all the things you could do, you crawl around. Have you ever, anybody here ever owned a goat? Nobody should want to be like a goat. 
They are horrible creatures. And, and I mean, I know I'm speaking about respecting God's creation, but they're just, I mean, they're out on the edge. You know, they, those were, it seemed like when God was running out of ideas, he said, oh, yeah, let's make a goat. Let's do that. A goat will be all right. <laughs> we're to have dominion over the earth, dominion over the, the plants. We, we were given oil to use but not to waste and trees to make houses and, and to keep warm, but we're not given trees to, to either to annihilate or to worship. We're consumers. We're managers. We're replenishers. We plow the fields and plant the crops, but on occasion we allow the, the fields to lay fallow so that they will renew themselves. So in the balance of life, we must appreciate the time of creation. And secondly, the time of emotion. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to tear and a time to, to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. A doctor was going to a party one night and and he saw one of his elderly patients out on the dance floor with a, uh, a beautiful young lady. And the doctor goes to his patients and he, he said, what are you doing? And the patient said, well, I'm following your advice from our visit the other day. And he said, what do you mean, my advice? He said, you told me to find a hot mama and be cheerful. And the doctor said, that is not what I told you. I told you you have a heart murmur. Be careful. <laughs> the, the point is that his time for dancing had already passed. However, Solomon says that there's a time for the emotions of life. We think of, of people who are weighted too heavily toward one emotion or another. Oftentimes we think of them as having a personality disorder. And good order in our emotions is prescribed by the Word of God. God prescribes for us to find a way to keep a balance in our, in our emotional life. That means that crying or laughing are a good balance for each other. I've seen the commercial about the, 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 the condition where you involuntarily cry or you involuntarily laugh. But without a, a condition, the, the, the matter of laughing and crying is a good balance. There's certainly a time for, for mourning but there's a time when we should have a little skip in our step as well. There should be time for mourning, but there should be time for singing, oh, what a beautiful morning. If you're not emotionally balanced, I'd encourage you to work on that. And I'm serious about that. I would encourage you to work on your emotional balance. Just like you'd work on your, your financial uh, life, just like you'd work on your physical fitness, Work on your emotional balance. If you find yourself to this or to that, or, or you find your, your life being affected in a way and not a good way by, by too much uh, of an aspect of, of your personality, work on that. Find a way to work on that. <clears throat> find the emotional balance and you'll find more happiness. Find the emotional balance and you'll find more friends. Find the emotional balance and you'll find 
more fulfillment, and probably you'll find more success. Work on when to speak and when to remain silent. Work on when to laugh and, and when to cry and, and rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep and work on knowing how to do that. We're talking about the time and seasons. There's a time of creation and a time of emotion. There's a time of ambition. There's a time for us to have ambition, <clears throat> vision, if you will. I remember my, my senior English class. My sen- senior English teacher was a single woman. Her name was Helen Sprouse. Helen Sprouse had been engaged to a young man who was killed at Pearl Harbor. And <clears throat> every December the 7th, Miss Sprouse would wear black and she would keep a box of Kleenex and she would, she would gently weep all day long. She was a very, <clears throat> a woman of a very deep feeling. She, she had a, a deep feeling about that one that she had lost. And, and she was an outstanding teacher. She's the hardest teacher that I ever had in high school. And the best teacher that I ever had in high school. Teachers aren't good because they're hard, but sometimes good teachers can be hard. She was tough. <clears throat> One of the things that we did in, in our senior English class, which is what she taught, and just FYI, that was advanced placement senior English, okay? Just so you'll know. <clears throat> but one of the things that she taught was for us to, to um, dissect poetry, for us to, to look beyond the, the words and try to look inside of the, what might be the meaning of the words. And that's what good poetry is for. It's not for the meter as much as, is it, as it is for the meaning. And so we would have some pretty lively discussions in our class. And we discussed all kinds of poetry. We discussed Robert Frost. We discussed Chaucer. We even, we would even, and this is, this is how good of a teacher she was. She, we would, we would um, read as poetry songs written by the Beatles. And, and, we, and as the, the Beatles uh, uh, went through their, their career, their, their songs began to change. And there was, you could see uh, darker meaning in their songs. I'll tell you the, the kind of the funny thing. When the Beatles first got on the scene and, and all of uh, the moms and dads and grandparents were so appalled by the Beatles, the song that they sang that swept the country that was so difficult for parents to understand was, I want to hold your hand. Oh, yeah, you got that something. I think you'll understand. That was the, the deep, the deep uh, uh, words and hidden meaning. But later on, <clears throat> they began to write other things like Strawberry Fields Forever and Maxwell Silver Hammer and some things that had a, a, <clears throat> a meaning that were, that were well beyond uh, the little ditty of the song. And so she taught us to see the the measure, but also to try and see the meaning. So it is in reading Scripture. You, 
You've heard me say more than once that the Bible has one interpretation but many applications. The poetic verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 are a good example of this. And studying what Bible scholars have had to say concerning the meaning of or the application of these verses, I'm reminded of my friend Bruce Lackey, who I actually referenced Wednesday night. Dr. Lackey used to say that the easiest interpretation is usually the best interpretation. If that's the case, then the next two verses just are about normal ambitions in life. They say there's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones uh, together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. The practical truth of life is that there is a, a time to buy and a time to sell. This is the balance of our ambitions of life. This is the balance of our our business of life. Now, I know that there are people who have a knack for making money, but uh, we all should have a balance of life, even in the business of life. Occasionally, we get caught holding when we should have sold, and and we get caught buying when we should have held on. But, But overall, there should be a balance. And that balance is really should be our our ambition. We should have a sense of balance in our lives. Everybody should. We should have a, we should have a balance in what we want in life and, and what we have in life. And, and could I say this? We should have a balance in how we see others in life. You have people in, in life around you that you feel like they are they are doing better than you, or maybe they're not doing as well. You should have a balance about that, and you should understand that they're not you, and that God has given to everybody a season, and to everybody a time, and to everybody a purpose. You can't wait life to make it get out, of, or you, you shouldn't wait life to make it get out of balance with what God wants for you. The comedy film Cool Runnings is, is about the first Jamaican bobsled team to go to the Olympics. I miss John Candy, by the way. John, I miss John Candy. <clears throat> to me, John Candy was one of the funniest actors that I've ever seen on anything. I miss him. He played the former American gold medalist who becomes the coach of the Jamaican bobsled team, which is funny in itself that, that Jamaica would have a bobsled team. The players grow to like the American coach, and they affectionately call him the sled god. <laughs> Later in the story, the coach's history comes out. In an Olympics following his own gold medal performance, he broke the rules by weighting the U.S. sled and bringing disgrace on himself and on the U.S. bobsled team. And one of the Jamaican team members could not understand why anyone who had already won a gold medal would even cheat. And finally, he nervously asked Candy to explain. And the sled god said, I had to win. I learned something. If you're not happy without a gold medal, you won't be happy with it. He had lost the balance of his life. And we all have a tendency to lose that sense of, of balance, even in our ambitions. We, we lose our sense of balance. 
Years ago, I can see the setting where we were. I was having lunch with who I considered to be one of the greatest influencers of my life, Dr. Lee Robertson. It's just Dr. Robertson and me. Dr. Robertson was the longtime pastor of the Highland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He was the founder of Tennessee Temple Schools, Tennessee Temple University. The seminary where I graduated from, Dr. Robertson founded it. We were having a a conversation. And I I said, and and, I mean, he had a, this man had a lot of drive. And I asked him a question about that. And he said, he said, Randy, there's a, there's a difference between me and he named another person that we both knew. He said, there's a, a big difference between us. And I said, well, what's the difference? He said, I really want to win. I really want to be the best. But he said, this, this other person has to win. This other person has to be the best. This other person cannot sleep at night unless he is the biggest and the best. He just can't. I haven't thought about that conversation in years, but as I'm talking about the balance of our ambitions, I would say to you that that there is a a healthy balance that all of us should have in our ambitions. There should be a healthy balance to understand that, you know what, Uh, we want to be the very best that God will let us be and God would have us to be. And none of us should want to be just let life come and go and and not even think about it. I've been been thinking about my my last sermon here and, and Uh, on May the 21st and what I want to preach to you on May the 21st and I'm not settled on it so I'm not going to uh, give you even a hint right now because I'm not settled on it however a a lot of it a lot of it has to do with with our understanding of what God has wanted us to be all along and still wants us to be there has to be however a sense of of balance in our ambition. And we have to remove a certain amount of self away from our ambition. And we have to think to ourselves, am I I ambitious for me? Do I want to look good? Do I want to make sure that people brag on me? Am, Am I afraid that this will be a bad reflection on me? Or am I really trying to do as as I should do, balance the ambition that God would have me to have? balance my sense of emotion, keep myself in, a, in an appropriate balance so that I can be everything that God would have me to be at the time of my life. We have to think about that. All of us do. Otherwise, we're going to be like Michael Jordan. We can't get past the past. We can't get past the reality that it's It's not the same as it used to be, and it'll never be the same as it used to be. We've seen today in this message on time and balance, the time of creation and the time of emotion 
and the time of ambition. And let me close by speaking of the time of devotion. These verses, very, verse, very interesting, verse 8, a time <coughs> to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Solomon closed his list of opposites by referring to life's two basic emotions, love and hate, and the extreme expression of both, war and peace. Oddly, this list from Solomon closes as it began with these opposites, war and peace, over which a person has little control. How balanced is your life? Really, how balanced is it? I'm, I'm thinking a lot about June and July and August. And I'm trying to get my, myself ready for a new balance in my life. Because it's very easy to live an imbalanced life no matter what you're doing or what you're not doing. I, I know that all of us have different circumstances going on. But regardless of the circumstances of life, God can and wants to give us balance in it. There's a time for this and a time for that. Maybe this message today will, will be of help to you. And maybe this little illustration will put some things in perspective. But one father writes, My son Kyle had mastered riding a bicycle with training wheels and was eager to try the bike without training wheels. That sparkling blue Swin bicycle with the chrome handlebars wasn't exactly a Harley, but it went fast enough for a five-year-old to be simultaneously scared to death and higher than a kite. Do you remember that? After some false starts and a few erratic swerves that just missed the neighbor's mailboxes, he eventually got the hang of controlling the bike. Soon enough, the side streets of our little neighborhood were his speedway. With every lap, he looked a little more sure of himself, and and I began to wonder if he would ever quit and just give it a rest. And then I noticed, I noticed that he wasn't so sure of himself. The anxious look on his face grew more serious with each lap. Something was wrong. Suddenly he ran the bank up the curb and onto the grass in our front yard and leaped off tumbling head over heels while the bike careened to to a halt. I ran to see if he was okay and he looked up at me and he said, Dad, how do you stop? He had known how to use the brake when He was still on training wheels, but the rush, the rush of being free and fast, he forgot what he used to know and knew how to do. So after another lesson on stopping and several more crash landings, he eventually remembered how to slow down and how to stop. The father continues, my life looked a lot like Kyle's first bike ride. Hooked on the fast pace of life, I got dangerously out of control. It took a crash to help me slow down and learn to stop. I don't think God wants you to crash. 
I don't think God intends for it to take a crash for you to slow down or a crash for you to wise up, a crash for you to balance your life. But all of us should think about that. Are we balanced? I'll get news that makes me unhappy. And I'll, I'll find myself just gravitating toward that and, and it just pulling me and pulling me and pulling me. And then I remember whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest and whatsoever things are pure, think on these. In fact, I think I need to preach that to you before I leave. I need to preach it again. And that balances me back up. I don't know what's got you out of whack in your life. But I would urge you to find the balance that God has so that you can not only straighten up, (laughs) but as my daddy used to say, fly right. Fly right.